0: Thank you, Pastor Scott and Christy. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here to be able to launch my book with you and everything. But I just want to say something today because I believe that God has got a powerful word for this house today. But I just want to say something. I want you to know that I got a phone call this morning from your past and it had nothing new to say today. Let me tell you something. God is up to something big today, and he is going to do miraculous things in this house. Somebody give God a shout right now today. Give him a shout. Shout like you mean it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You might be seated. I just want you to know that it is the greatest honor to me to be able to launch my book here with family. And as Pastor Scott said, that it is a true testimony of God's power that I am standing up here today. So God has done such miracles in my life that there comes a point in your life where you can't be silent any longer. Where you have to tell the goodness of what God has done. Where you have to shout where you should have died. You have to get to a place where you won't be quiet. The devil can't shut you up, that you start speaking life, you start speaking truth, and you start speaking boldly. And that's what what I want to talk about today, is that God is calling you to be brave. That he is calling you to be bold, to be empowered. No more wimpy Christians. No more Christians sitting on the sideline. God is calling you to do mighty exploits for him. There is a time where the church is going to have to rise up, stand up, grow up, and go into the battlefield. And that is where God is calling us today. I am so tired of seeing Christians afraid in today's culture. But God has not called us to be afraid. He is calling us to go to war. He gave us armor for a reason. Our armor was meant for war, not for tea parties. God didn't call us to sit and sip tea. He called us to pick up a sword and run into the battle to fight. That is where God is calling his church today. It's time to rise up. See, the enemy wants to have full run of your mind. He wants your mind to become a playing ground, a playing field for him. But it's time that we take back authority over our minds, over our lives, and kick the devil out this morning. It's time to kick him out. But I want to share a few things today, because that's exactly what we are doing across the nation. We are declaring truth across the nation, back to a culture that is changing. And if we're not careful, the church will change with it. And so we have created, we have, uh, my husband, it's so amazing to have him sitting in service with me today. For so many years, I have gotten to sit and to cheer him on, and he was actually supposed to be somewhere this Sunday preaching, and he called him, and he told him, he said, you know what, I can't be there. I'm going to be with my wife, encouraging her, cheering her on today. I have the most amazing husband that has ever lived. And so, but we have uh, started a ministry called Raise the Remnant. And if you feel called into ministry, if you feel called, and you maybe you can't go to college, maybe you can't go anywhere, you've already started your family, you've already, you know, gotten your career, but you know God has called you to greatness, you know God has called you to even be a minister in your workplace, then Raise the Remnant is for you. It's for anyone who feels that they have been called to go out to rescue the lost and the hurting, to snatch them out of the pits of hell, and to walk them through freedom. And so if you want to be a part of that, all you have to do is, join Raise the Remnant, you'll get uh, teachings from us on a regular basis on how to do that and practical ways to do that. But like I said, I'm launching a book, and it was literally birthed through my life journey. The journey that God brought me through, and so, but everywhere I would go, as God was beginning to uh, allow me to go and to minister and to go and to to be able to be launched out there, to as I was traveling, everywhere I went, everyone I talked to, the same thing I heard over and over and over was, "I'm so dry, I'm so weary, I'm so dehydrated, I feel like I have no hope, I've lost hope, I don't even know where to go to get the water for survival." And so, God, I told God, I said. I'm not writing a book I'm not writing a book I'm not going to do it I'm not you know Pat's the writer in the family he's wrote three books he's you know and he's a powerful author he's a powerful writer lives are always changed I'm not writing a book so um, as I was asleep one night I was laying there and I was woke up to the sound of thunder in the room and Pat was laying in the bed next to me and I shook him and I said what did you what 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 do you want It was in the middle of the night, and he said, I didn't say anything, so I went back to sleep, and I was awoken again to the sound of thunder, only that, and it wasn't storming outside, it wasn't raining, it wasn't any of those things, but in the midst of the thunder, I heard my name, I heard God call my name, and he said, Karen, and I woke up. And I sat straight up in the bed, and I wasn't afraid in that moment because I knew it was the voice of the one who had called me at 13 years old as a young girl. And I sat up in the bed, and I said, oh, my gosh. (laughs) You know, and I thought, what, God, what do you want from me? And he said, I've called you to write a book to lead people into freedom, to lead them back to the well of refreshing, to lead them back to the place where the water source is. I've called you to write a book. So as I was saying, I wasn't going to write a book. I woke up the next morning and I thought, God, I don't feel qualified to write a book. That's Pat's book, I'm qualified. (laughs) And so I don't feel qualified and I'm not gonna write it unless you open the door for me to write it. I'm not gonna try to open that door. And so in the next couple of days, I got a call from Charisma. And they said, we feel like you're supposed to write a book. So it began a journey for me. It began a journey of writing out the things God had took me on, the journey that he had took me on. And so I wrote this book, Dehydrated, right here, because I believe that there is a well that waits for each one of us. And in the presence of God, if we will just get up, walk out our lives, walk into the presence of God, walk to the well every single day for refreshing, every single day for freedom, every single day calling on his name, that he will lead you on a journey that will transform your life for eternity, that he will transform you from a dry, weary wasteland of a life to a life that is overflowing to the point that you will minister to everyone you come in contact with because you can't help but to leak and to get everything that God has given you on everyone you meet. And so I'm going to preach from this today, and I'm going to preach all the way from the beginning to the end. So we're going to be here for a while. So, no, I shared in the book about having conversations with the king and I shared about being undone in God's presence. These are the chapters. Undone in his presence, being unwrapped from all the garbage, all the sin, all the things that would entrap you. I read, I pre- I wrote a chapter on famine, how our world is hungry and thirsty for a move of God. And about redigging the ancient wells, that your family needs you to redig the ancient wells that have stored up fresh and living water for your family. About the aftermath of your life, of what it leads, what it leaves behind in the wake of your life. Are you leaving destruction or are you leaving life? And it, I preached even at the am the Remnant, it ain't over. That no matter what you've walked through, it's not over. And that hope floats in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your turmoil. It can be pressed down. Satan can press your hope down, but hope always rises to the surface. And I preach, get your praise on. Praise is my nerve pill. When everything is going wrong, when I enter into the presence of God, everything else fades away. And then I decided that I wanted to write a chapter on brave. Because when all of that takes place, you can't help but be brave. And that's what I'm preaching today. And if you want any of the other ones, you're just going to have to meet me in the back afterwards and get the book, and I'll be glad to sign it for you. So, but today I want to preach about being brave. But before I do, I want to dedicate this message to one person. I want to dedicate this message to a person for 25 years in this family. I have watched her be brave. I have watched her stand up and fight for her family, to not back down, to not lay down. I've watched her declare truth, declare freedom, declare the word of God over her family. She is a true hero to me. And today I wanna dedicate this message to you, Christy, because you are brave. of the faith. But I want to get into this message because so often in my life, I have described my life and my walk with God as constant, a constant walk with God, steady, a steady walk. I've even described it as passionate and most times desperate. But one thing I never thought I would be able to say is that I would describe my walk with God as brave. Brave? Who's brave? Who's, who actually considers themselves brave? You see, bravery doesn't show up until you're required to have bravery. See, there's a point in your life where you have to, to step up. See, I've learned that you've got to walk through a few things to become brave. See, we all want to be brave, but we don't want to walk through the journey to become brave. We don't want to walk through the boot camp. We don't want to walk through the difficulties. We don't want to walk through the pain. But in my life, it's those things that caused me to be brave. It's those things that caused me to look to the one who could give me bravery in my heart. It's those things that caused me to run to the Father for the strength that only he could give me. I don't look back at my life and the things that I've walked through and I don't look back and say, woe is me, poor pitiful me. I think of God and I say, thank you, God, that you brought me on a journey to freedom. Thank you, God, for that little girl that couldn't stand up in front of a crowd and say her name because you brought me through a journey to be able to bring people to freedom because in your freedom, I can lead them to freedom. See, maybe you carry the scars that prove you have been in war. Maybe you carry the scars that that prove that you have been in a fight. But let me tell you something. Those scars are proof that you survived, that you didn't die, that you didn't lay down. See, today we get real. Today we get real with each other. And I want to share with you a message about a woman who was brave. I want to share a message because I love reading the word of God because all through the word of God, you will find someone you can relate to all through the word of God. You can find people who have walked through what you're walking through, who have been through what you've been through, but they survived and they became powerful men and women for God. If you'll turn with me to second Kings four, 15 through 16, it says, then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. So you think to yourself, what does that have to do with being brave? What does that, but we're going to get to that, but I'm going to take you on a journey. See, God has been looking for voices to rise up in his church today. God has been looking for people who will stop being silent. God is looking for people who will rise up and speak truth to a nation. God is looking for people who won't stand silent when lies are being spread about the gospel. Will you rise up today? See, how many of you in here have heard this, the scripture that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. We all have, we've all said it since we were in kindergarten. We've all said it since we were in children's church. It's something that we've just taught. But do you really believe it? That no weapon formed against you shall prosper? See, look what it says in the Message Bible. I love the Message Bible. I love other translations, but the Message Bible is because I'm just a plain country girl from Georgia and I need God to speak to me in plain country terms. So I love the Message Bible. It says in Isaiah 54, I create the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I also create the destroyer. But no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. See, I don't think you heard what I said. See, no weapon... That could harm you. no weapon that could take you out. no weapon that could kill you, no weapon that can cause you to lay down and die has ever been forged. That is the word of God. It says, "Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. See, this is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. See, there's a moment where you say, when the enemy's attacking you, when he's coming against you, when he's throwing everything against you, you can look at him and say, you can throw everything you've got at me, but no weapon that has been formed against me shall prosper. No weapon has even been forged that could take me out. There's a moment you have to stand up in those moments where he's attacking and you've got to put your foot down and you Go take that devil, take that devil, get out because you have nothing that can hurt me. See, God is in restoration and healing. See, to be brave is to literally say that I am going to die with nothing left to do. That I'm going to be brave enough that when I die, there is nothing left in me to do. There is a holy awakening for the righteous. And I'm declaring today that you will stand, that you will rise up, that you will rise up in power and you will possess the land that God has given you. You will possess your inheritance. You will possess your promises. You will possess the ground that the enemy has stolen from you. See, when you finally get to a place where you understand how great and powerful your God is, the devil will lose every ground he has stolen from you. How many of you are ready to take back your land? How many of you are ready to take back your inheritance, to take back your promises, to take back what he has stolen from you? See, today, I want to be like Joshua. I want to leave bold and courageous. I want the walls to start crumbling down. See, I want when I leave here today that there are people in this room that the walls have crumbled around them and that the boundaries that the enemy has placed on them no longer exist and they run out in freedom in Jesus' name. See, if I sound intense today, if I sound passionate today, if I sound a little a little irritated at the devil today, it's because I hear the sound of laughter coming from the houses of pain. I hear the sound of freedom coming from those in chains. I hear the sound of glory falling in the house of God. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind that wants to sweep through and clear out the junk that the enemy has put in. See, I've walked through some things. See, I'm not the same person that I used to be. I walked through some things, see Pat and I know what it's like to go to a distant land and to bring our daughter out of a land that abandoned her. I know what it's like to fight hell for my son and for his salvation and for his healing. I know what it's like to go to war. I know what it's like to suit up, to pick up my sword and have blood on it from the enemy. I know what it's like to fight. And so there's a moment where you have to be willing to fight. See, I know, see, I know what it's like to realize in midlife that if I don't renounce fear in my own life, I will never reach the place that God has called me to be. See, there's a place of freedom that comes when you understand just who your God is. There's a freedom that comes. See, you don't understand that just 10 years ago, I was afraid to stand up and to say my name on a platform, but then there was a moment that but God stepped in and set me free. But God stepped in and changed my life. But God stepped in and said, you are no longer a slave to fear. See, you have to have those but God moments. Do you know what a but God moment is? A but God moment is a moment where God steps in the devil's butt and kicks him out of your life that's what a but God moment is see there has to be a moment where you understand that even though I was crippled by my fear to stand up in front of a crowd today I am more crippled by the thought of not sharing with you what true freedom is so that you can exchange your crutches for wings so that you can step up and fly because when you have learned to soar with the Eagles you don't want anybody left on the ground anymore you want them to be able to mount up with wings as Eagles just like the Eagle when the enemy is attacking when the predator is attacking he flies straight into the Sun and that's what God is calling us to do when the enemy you fly straight into the sun you fly straight into the one that can set you free so let's get something straight today bravery is not something that most possess but it is something that God wants you to have see bravery true bravery is realizing just how big your God is. True bravery is realizing that bravery is not the absence of fear. If bravery was the absence of fear, we would all be brave. But bravery is the realization that fear has no hold on you when you reside in the presence of the Almighty God. That is what bravery is. Your persistence will determine your promise. I love Psalms 27, 14. It says, I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. Everybody write this down. Bravery usually starts in the quiet of your normal. See, there was a woman in the Bible called the Shunammite woman who could bear no children. Don't you love to say words like Shunammite? If you say it really fast, it's like you're speaking in tongues. You know, Shunammite, Shunammite, Shunammite. But there was a woman in the Bible called the Shunammite woman. And what I love is she didn't even, they didn't even give her a name. I mean, how rude. But she didn't need a name because her bravery spoke for itself. She couldn't have children. Her husband and her were childless. But there was a man of God that would come to town, and she would... Make sure he was taken care of. She even built him a room in her house, a prophet's chamber. She built him a room so when he would come to town, he would be blessed. And in that process, he was so blessed by her giving and her generosity that he said he wanted to bless her. Look at what Second Kings says about that blessing. 2 Kings 4.15 said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the entrance of the prophet's chamber, and he said, At this season, when it's time, you will embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she did have a child. Do so you know what this tells me? This tells me that you have what you have done in private to bless others, God is going to bring back to you. He's keeping a tab in heaven of what you do to bless other people. There is a moment that it comes back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God is going to bless you beyond what you could ever imagine. No good deed will go unnoticed. Luke 6.38 says, Give away your life and you'll find life back, but not merely given back. Given back with bonus. So you know what that means? That means, God, what I've done in private, you know what? I'm counting the blessings because put it on my tab. You're keeping a tab in heaven. So put it on the tab because there is a harvest coming for your life. There is a harvest. But that's not the end of the story. Wouldn't that have been enough, that God gave her a son, that God gave her an inheritance, that God gave her a promise? But that's not the end of the story, because see, God will give you a promise, and that's usually when the enemy comes in to attack, because he, God gives you a promise, and the enemy comes in. You thought birthing was hard. You thought the process to your miracle was hard. You thought what it took to get that promise was hard, but it's usually the second wave of attack that usually tries to take you out. Once you get the promise, once she had the son, because you see, once she had the son and he became a young boy, he went out to the field with his father. And in, the, in that day, he became sick and he beget, had a headache and he runs to his father and he says, father, I, my head, my head. And see, I love this because it says when the child was older, he went out today to with his father, with the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to the servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, the boy sat on her knees until noon and died. She went up and she laid him down on the bed of the man of God, shut the door, and went out. What? I'd be freaking out. I would be freaking out if my son died right there in my lap. But here she just puts him on the bed and walks away. Because can you see this? She takes her dead, lifeless son to the room of the prophet. And she stands there and she lays him on the bed. The very room that she had received her promise. The very room that she had received the blessing. See, it was a room of blessing and promise. And she laid him there and she went to see the man of God. Because I want you to know, God has given you promises, but the enemy is lurking around every corner waiting to take them out. He is sitting there. Death is waiting at the door of your blessing, ready to steal your seed. But I want you to know that you have power and authority in you, that you can take back anything the enemy has stolen. See, sometimes, sometimes your prophecy has to go back to where it all began. Sometimes your prophecy has to go back to the beginning. See, she should have given up. There was a cold, lifeless, dead body laying in her arms. But the Bible says in 2 Kings 4.24, then she saddled donkey and said to her servant lead on and do not hold back for me unless I tell you so she went to the man of God see she said I don't care what's it gets in my way I don't care what I see in the flesh I don't care what I see in the natural because I am going to ride the donkey to the man of God and I am going to declare you will raise my dead son and bring him back to life see you have got to have that kind of faith it's time that we confront the phantoms of our opera See, we have to confront the things that taunts us and that, that terrorize us on a regular basis. Proverbs 11:19 19 says, Take your stand with God's loyal community and live or chase after phantoms of evil and die. See, do you understand that the enemy's number one goal against you is a spirit of fear? But there has got to be that moment where you stand up and you look at the devil and you say, Not today, not in my house, not now, not tomorrow, not ever. I am receiving the promises. Stop chasing ghosts of past failures and family demons that have haunted you forever. Step forward in courage. Can I tell you something? The past of your family does not dictate your destiny. You may come from a long lineage of of hypocrites. You may come from a long lineage of drug addicts. You may come from a long lineage of wife abusers, of spouse abusers, of child abusers. You may come from a long lineage of heartache and heartbreak. But I'm telling you what, God has a destiny for you. You are not bound to the destiny of your past. Realize the power that's in the scripture, 1 John 4, 4. The one that is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It's true. It's real. And the devil knows it. But he hopes that you never catch hold of it. Because he understands the power. How do I know? Because fear was a constant companion of mine throughout the whole beginning of my life. Fear lurked around my life every corner. But can I tell you? God stepped in and set me free. I have seen it. Not only have I seen it, but I have Experienced it and I have seen it in others. I have seen fear in the eyes of a hurting child. I have seen fear in the eyes of a lonely and broken and bruised woman. I have seen fear in the eyes of a man who's lost everything and his family is hurting. I have seen fear across this nation as the enemy wants to terrorize God's people. I know fear. I know what it's like. I know it can debilitate you. I know the terror that it causes. But just because it can doesn't mean it has to. Doesn't mean that you're bound by it. Doesn't mean that you're going to be held hostage to it. Fear has the ability to quiet the voice of God and amplify the growl of the enemy. You know what I'm talking about. You've heard the growl. You've heard the growl of the enemy when the, the doctor's report comes in and it says that it's not good. You've heard the growl of the enemy when you are, it's the wee hours of the morning and you don't know where your children are. You've heard the growl when you get the phone call from your husband or your wife saying, I don't love you anymore. You've heard it when you've gotten the call from your job that says you no longer have a place here. But can I tell you something? I know the lion the, of the tribe of Judah that has a louder growl than anything the enemy can do and everything is afraid of him see fear has that ability but it's time that we put a muzzle on the enemy it's time that we quiet his voice Job 10 16 says I try to make the best of it try to brave it out but you're too much for me relentless like a lion on the prowl see the enemy would love to keep you locked in a prison of fear He's bold with his attack. He knows just the right moment to put you into a corner, to back you back into that place of fear, to back you into that place of discouragement and despair. He knows just the right moment to cripple you. With whatever it is that cripples you. But I'm here to tell you that when the world gives up, when everyone gives up, you don't have a right to. You don't have a right to quit. Your family needs to see a strong, powerful prayer warrior that can run into their prayer closet and start speaking life, speaking truth, speaking freedom to them. But look what God says. Psalms 31.24 says, be brave, be strong, don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. See, I have learned that bravery is not just running into a burning building or into a battlefield across in another nation. Sometimes bravery is standing firm and saying, I will not quit. I will not back down. I will not die right here in this place. See, if you're in this room and you've survived the battles, and you have pushed through pain, and you have fought and you have had clung to the hope of God, then I would say that you're brave, that I would say that God is with you. Job twenty two twenty six 26 says, you'll delight in God, the mighty one, and look to him joyfully and boldly. You'll pray to him and listen, he'll help you with what you've promised. But then it goes on to say, to those who feel low, you'll say, chin up, be brave, God will save them. See, culture has tried to redefine bravery, and sadly, we're allowing them to. We're allowing them to change what God is in America. The humanism is winning. Secularism is running rampant and everywhere in our churches and the schools. Purity is mocked on every level. See, but the life of a child has become a voting block. Truth is under fire. See, when a woman is arrested for refusing to give a homosexual couple a marriage license because she's standing up for the word of God, truth has indeed become the new hate speech. See, it's time that we stand up for truth. Bravery is not standing in a crowd, a room full of all kinds of people, and declaring the perversion that you have embraced as normal. Declaring that it's normal to be in a perverse relationship. See, We don't celebrate that as a badge of honor. What bravery is, is bravery is standing in the midst of a crowd of everyone else that is bowing to culture. That's what bravery is. Can I tell you something? ESPN can offer out an award to a confused man, but my God offers out authority and power to a righteous bride. That is what true, true bravery is. I wrote in my book what bravery is. Bravery is a beautiful young lady with Down syndrome who goes to prom hoping that someone will dance with her because she understands that she is beautifully and wonderfully made. Bravery is a single mom juggling two jobs just to make ends meet, but when she gets home still makes time to read bedtime stories to her babies because that's what's important. Bravery is a widow who delays going to bed until the last possible moment because if she climbs into that cold bed where her husband of 50 years used to lay Then she realizes he's gone but God will never leave her never forsake her never abandon her see bravery is smiling through fear when your little baby is in the hospital and a needle with poison is being injected into their arms to kill the cancer that's killing them and you smile because you know that their faith depends on the smile and the faith that you have in your life that's what bravery is is standing up for biblical truth It's believing that one last hope that your spouse will finally make their way home. Am I talking to anybody today? Am I talking to anyone that's been through some things? See, bravery is a missionary who travels across the world with nothing, armed nothing but with the word of God and freedom and deliverance. See, bravery is declaring that Jesus is Lord as you lose your life for the gospel. It's believing without seeing. It's declaring that God has called you to walk in purity. It's, throwing, it's Bravery is not throwing off all restraints for your own freedom. It's re, realizing that it was for freedom that Christ set you free. See, the only fear you need is the awesome fear of God. Some of you have been under constant attack because the enemy sees your reflection in the eyes of an angry God. You are the apple of God's eye. And God will never leave you, never forsake you, never run out on you, never abandon you. See, your time spent in private with God will show in the, when you're around other people, it will show in the strength and the bravery and the courage that you have in public. See, bravery means reclaiming your promise. See, I at this time, see it says in 2 Kings, she went and came to the man of God. And when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look over there, See, she was running to him. She was in a hurry. He was saying, look at that crazy woman. Look at that crazy woman running towards us. Go see what she wants. Ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your son all right? And she yelled off from a distance, it's all right. What? How could she say that her son had died? Her son was laying dead, die, but she said, it's all right. Everything's all right because she had mama faith. You know what I'm talking about. Mama faith that says, I don't care what the enemy says. I know my boy is alive. He's not wasted. He's not left to die. My boy is going to live. And see, God says, you've got promises today and I'm calling them to life. The enemy has told you that they're dead, but I'm saying they are living. And she falls at the feet of the prophet and she says, I need you to heal my boy. See, and he sent his servant to go lay his staff, and it didn't work. And she comes back, and she said, you know what? I don't need a staff. I don't need a staff member. Sometimes, you know what? I love our pastors. I love all that, but sometimes I don't need a staff member. I need the man of God. I need God to intervene. I need God to come down and supernaturally say, you live today. You are not dead, and God's calling you to live You need an almighty, powerful God because, see, in that moment, it's time for your promises to be restored. 2 Kings 4.36 says, Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite, and he did. And see, I love this because it says, he went and he came into the house and he saw that the boy was dead, lying on his bed. So he went and shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. He went up and lay on the child, put his face to his face, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. Then he bent over the child, and the child's flesh was warmed. And he got up, he walked back and forth, and went up and bent over him. And the boy sneezed seven times. Why would he say that? Why would he say the boy sneezed? Why would they feel that that was important? And so it frustrated me, so I looked it up, and it says sneezing is one of your body's natural defense mechanisms. Sneezing is a complex process designed to rid the body of foreign invaders and protect it from contamination. It's a wind speed of 93 miles per hour. You're not getting this. You're not getting this. See, the Holy Spirit is God sneezing on us. Because it's a wind speed. It blows out everything. See, why do you think in the upper room in Acts 2, 2 that it says suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind because God sneezed on us that day and he said, I'm blowing out the contaminants out of your life. I'm blowing out the harmful things in your life. I'm blowing out the junk out of your life. I'm blowing the death out of your life today. You are free. You are healed. You are saved in Jesus' name. See, there's a point you've got to receive your healing. There is a point where you're sick and tired of being beaten up and torn down and ripped to pieces by the enemy because you think he's more powerful. You think he's more strong. You think he's got more in him than what you have, but you've got the power of the Holy Spirit that says, I can blow out anything out of your life. There is healing. See, bravery is Jesus stretched out on the cross. Jesus is Jesus going down to the grave so that I can stand up. Bravery is true. Bravery is when you realize that you can't do anything outside of him. See, bravery is knowing that all things are possible and understanding that Satan truly is under your feet, that he is meant to be under your feet, that there is a moment where you can get up And you can say, devil, I don't know where you're at in my family. Everyone stand with me, please. We're going to close because I believe there's some of you in here who have been terrorized by the enemy. I believe there are some of you in here who have been beaten down, that you've been beaten down so bad that you're cowered into a corner, that you're cowered back into a corner, and the enemy's taunting you. He's laughing at you. He's accusing you. And it's time that you realize that right on the other side of him is your freedom. And all you've got to do is get up, stand up, stand up taller than him because he is a coward. All he is is talk, and God is calling you out to be brave. See, bravery means that you finally understand at the end of the book, God wins. And because he lives inside of you, you win. See, there is victory in this house today. If you, there is victory in the blood of Jesus. See, I love 2 Timothy 1.7 is my favorite. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. See, I don't have to receive what the enemy is dishing out. I don't have to receive what the enemy is putting on my plate. See, I love to look at it like this. If I go to a restaurant after service today and I order chicken and the waiter brings me fish, I don't have to eat that fish. I'm going to send it back and I'm going to say, take it back. I want the chicken that I ordered. Well, you know what? This morning, I need some people in here to start shouting and saying to the devil, I didn't order that fear. I didn't order that, that, that junk in my life. I didn't order that pain. I didn't order that frustration. I didn't order that depression. I didn't order that, that addiction in my child's life. I didn't order that failed marriage. You know what I ordered today? I ordered joy. I ordered freedom. I ordered purpose in my life. I ordered the salvation of my family today. Woo! Start declaring that God has given you what you have ordered. That God has given you what you have purposed in your heart to go after. If the enemy has held you in bondage to fear today, then I need someone to rise up and be brave today. Because he was brave when he went to the cross. He was brave when he lay there and let them nail him to that cross. He was brave and what he saw was you and me. And what he saw was the love that he had for you and I. He was brave when he gave his life. Will you be brave for him today? See, the enemy got you held in so much fear and so much bondage that God says if you will step out, if you have been backed into a corner, if the enemy has been taunting your family, if your family is in need, if your family's been struggling then I ask you to come to this altar right now, to get out of your seats to walk to this front, start claiming the promises that God has for you start claiming altar workers if you'll come forward because I'm declaring there is freedom in this house today there is an ability to stand up and declare that the enemy has no hold on you, if you want freedom today, if you want your family saved, if you want your child to come back to the presence of God, then I say that you get up here and you be brave. Start crying out to him. Start crying out to him because God wants to give you joy today. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'll stop the music for just a moment. I believe every single person in this room needs to come to the altar right now, because God has a promise for you. There is a promise that He wants to give you, but unless you're willing to saddle the donkey, just like that woman, and you're willing to run to the miracle. God says, I need you to walk out your faith. I need you to walk out your faith today. See, there was a woman in the Bible who was all bent over and crippled, and she was in the back of the crowd, and God called her to the front to be healed. And I often wondered, and it bothered me that God would call her out in the front of the crowd, because I thought, God, she was crippled. Don't you know it hurt her? Don't you know it was embarrassing for her to walk forward? Don't you know that it was painful for her? God showed me. He called her out instead of going to her because it was in her bravery of walking forward that not only would she be healed, but everyone else around her would be transformed through her bravery. Begin to cry out. Begin to cry out this morning.